one. Welcome to episode 754 of the Aussie Techheads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Topkinson. Hey, Will. Are you sure? No. Because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> one of those days, huh? Oh, it's just been so... We've had... Like, it's bad enough it's been 32, 33. I can deal with that. Yep. But it's been 32, 33, 98% humidity and raining. Oh, jeez. And, like, everything's wet. Everything you touch just... Like, yeah. It's just, everything's wet. We had one of them a couple of days ago. I went down to the shops and I hopped out of my air-conditioned car and suddenly I couldn't see. Yeah. I take my glasses off because they all just fogged up. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, it's very draining. It's very draining. Yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, it's, um, yeah, you can't pick it. Like, it, it'll be, like this morning, not a cloud in the sky. Yeah. And then... At lunchtime, I was on the phone to a customer in the shed, and then all of a sudden, I couldn't hear. Jeez! Oh, <laughs> like, there, there's no, no. Hey, there's a there's a storm coming. There's a warning. There's a few spits. No, none, none of that. Just <laughs> straight like, down. <laughs> the hell? <laughs> You'll have to speak up. Can you text me the details? Oh, it was ridiculous. Being a big, big, big tin shed, of course. Yeah. But normally, you get, you know. A few spits of rain, a bit of a shower, and then the build up to the the downpour. Yeah, not nah, none of that. Straight in, just <laughs> like dead set. Sound like someone just dumped a whole heap of gravel on the roof of the shed. Maybe they did. <laughs> well, did you go out and have a look? So yeah, it's, and then it stopped just as quickly as it started. Ah. The, the eerie part about it, normally, at least in my mind, when I think heavy rain and downpour. Like normal light rain showers, okay, I get that. But when I when in my brain, when I think heavy rain, I expect thunder and lightning. Yeah, and it wasn't just heavy and, rain, and it kind of messed with my head a bit. Like, <laughs> whereas I'm expecting, like I'm expecting the thunder and the lightning, and it wasn't happening. And I'm, I'm like, um, okay, to be a valet down. <laughs> kind of glad, but still. <laughs> so, doing all right otherwise. Yeah, yeah, podding along, you know, same old, same old. You got old, really. your 3D printer going. Yeah, well, that's a whole novel of events, that is. <laughs> so I've got three 3D printers now. I've got Ooh. the first one I bought, which was the Delta, which is the top-down three-arm yep. one that, that prints on a circle base. And and I decided that I'm going to use that one for prototyping, so I want to run that on 3mm filament, so I started upgrading that to 3mm. But then I ran into a block where I needed a couple of adapters to convert it to 3 mil, and I already had this thing pulled apart, and I couldn't buy the adapters, so I needed to 3D print <laughs> some adapters, but I didn't have a 3D printer to 3D print the adapters on. <laughs> so I got one of those old, um, I think I call them MakerBots. Yep. They're pre pre the Ender. They look like the original Ender sort of, but they were um, polycarbonate frame, and like they were, you know. At the time, they were, they were a pretty decent printer, but I got it and it started printing a few things that I wanted, and then it started clogging nozzles, and then I had extruder problems with that. Then the motherboard and that ended up dying, and yeah. and anyway, so then I got a Ender three, um, second hand that somebody else had already had problems with, and yeah. um, <laughs> I thought, oh yeah, it can't be, what can't be that? There's, there's not. I mean, it's a relatively new printer. There can't be that much wrong with it. Hmm. Two years later, <laughs> literally replacing like ninety percent of the components on the thing, yeah, um, and still not having successful prints. Like one in ten would be a successful print. Yeah, that's and ridiculous. and anyway, I've changed main boards. I've changed power supplies. I've changed stepper drivers. I've changed. You name it, I changed it. Basically, the only thing I didn't change was the frame, but I did pull it all apart and reassemble it and make sure it was all squared and true to make sure that wasn't a problem. Yep. Um, turns out, and because the, they're a, um, they have a, a remote extruder that goes through a, a, a PTFE tube and the filament goes through it to the head and it, it extrudes that way. And it was always having extrusion issues. I bought new hot ends and new heads and everything anyway i found that ender themselves who's the company who made this printer 
they after a couple of years of this printer being out, they actually released a direct drive adaption for the for the filament. So instead of it pushing like the head being over the filament coming in from over here and being pushed down a tube and going into the head, um, it's all self-contained in, in one unit now. So the filament comes straight down from the top, straight in, straight through the extruder and straight into the head. So putting that on, and then I readjusted all the voltages for the steppers, and I think I, disco I discovered one more fault there. So I think there's a combination of the old stepper motor had been overdriven so hard been over vaulted that it actually damaged the stepper motor even though it tested okay i don't think it was ever quite right right um so after putting this new assembly on checking all the voltages making sure all the stepper motors are being done properly going through tightening everything up leveling the bed again it printed the test print perfectly it printed the stress print which has got overhangs and stuff yep. did that perfectly it did if you've ever watched maker's muse on uh YouTube, uh, he's an Australian guy who does a lot of 3D printing stuff and he makes what he calls torture tests. They're really tight tolerance um, yep. things that you know, print inside itself very, very close so that you still should be able to move them at the end of the print. And I did one of the small torture tests on that and it passed that. And then I did a three-hour print and it printed that. And I did another three-hour print and it printed that. And nice. I did a, another three-hour print today, and I've got it on for a six-hour print overnight tonight. But so, and it has just worked flawlessly. Nice, nice. Which is what a ender should do, given that like that's what they're supposed to do. Like it, there was, they're a premium printer that you pay the premium price for to and have that. Raves over them, right? Yeah. yeah. So, what was a, what were they? I can't remember what they were, $500 or something when they were new? Something like that, five or 600 bucks, I think. Okay. And then they, they come down to like 400 for a while. Yep. And I think they're down to like 250 now. But even if I bought it now at 250 I've probably spent another four or five or... Well, no, because the, the direct drive was nearly 200 So I've probably spent 600 bucks on top Jeez. of a $250 printer, which makes it Just an $850 printer. Which is the same printer that somebody else had that they paid, you know, five or six hundred bucks for. So it's now an eleven hundred dollar printer <laughs> that was never an eleven hundred dollar. You know, so. Oh, uh, but that's I mean, that's the thing. Like I've I've got this as I said. I think it's a makers a maker bot or something. Like that. It's just a cheap. It's one that you bought the frame off the guys. Yep. They supplied you with the frame and they gave you a parts list and you jumped onto eBay or wherever you wanted to and you bought all the parts and you assembled the thing yourself. Yep. You know, it's still a couple hundred dollar printer, but you expect to have problems with that because it's a, a hobby printer, like it's something you've assembled yourself. And my Delta, I didn't have problems with it till I created the problems. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a $500 printer. So you expect a $500 printer to work and a two or $300 printer to mostly work. But when you have a $500 printer that doesn't work and it costs you another $500 to make it work, you could have bought a $1,000 printer that you would have worked. You know? yeah. <laughs> so do you so, get to print out the parts you wanted for your Delta now? Well, now that I, now that I know that it can, yep. I need to remember what the parts were. That was like three years ago. <laughs> so I've got to drag the Delta out of storage and set it all back up now and it's try and figure out, figure out what parts it is that I actually wanted to print in the first place. <laughs> So, uh, and honestly, it would have been cheaper just to buy a three mil printer because that's the whole re the, this whole process of buying all these printers and getting them all working and stuff was to print two parts for this other printer that I had already. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I should have just like left that one, spent another five hundred dollars buying a three mil prototyping printer and being done with it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like or you, get one of those resin ones or something. Well, yeah, an FDM. Um, you know, you can get a small FDM, and okay, they're not real big. They're only, you know, I think they're ten centimeters by ten centimeters, something like that. Yep. But they're only a hundred and fifty bucks. I mean, you're gonna spend hundred bucks on resin, but you get a lot of prints for that. Yep. And they're not huge, but I mean, if just for the average hobby person who wants to do small stuff, they're perfectly fine. Sounds good. Um, and you can always break a print up and print it in multiple parts and join it anyway yeah so <clears throat> I'd, I'd, if you want to do um 
And actually, it's interesting because the FDM stuff, the fused deposition models, have come so far that a lot of hobby guys who do Dungeons and Dragons and Warhammer and a lot of these models and board game style stuff, they love them because the detail is so amazing on these FDM printers. That yeah, looks my like brother-in-law. I don't, he doesn't have one of them, but he prints all of his Warhammer stuff. Mm. And with the FDM ones, like, well, you can do it with a normal 3D printer if you've got a really good, like a, a, a two mil, a point two mil nozzle, and you print slow and nice one millimeter layers. You can get a fairly decent model, a bit of sandpaper, touch it up, looks good. Yeah. But with these FDM ones, they come out looking like they've just been molded. Yeah. You know, they're they're pristine, and they almost never fail because the technology, the way they work, it's. Unless there's a hardware failure in the printer, like a stepper motor stops working or the UV light doesn't fire when it's supposed to, um, they pretty much have to work. They don't really. There isn't really an option there. Yep. yep. Um, and it's a relatively cheap way to get into it. As I said, it's only small stuff, but for that sort of stuff, you won't find. You know, I've seen models small. Well, I used to do MechWarrior back in the day, and I remember playing. 150 bucks for a mech yeah this big <laughs> you know i could buy a, an fdm printer and the resin and print myself 100 of these guys for the same sort of money you know <laughs> so if big it's something difference. yeah if it's something you're doing a lot it's definitely worth looking into getting them you're still doing <clears throat> cnc stuff yeah i've got um i got small cnc and i've got a medium size um co2 laser as well I do laser cutting, uh, laser engraving, um, and CNC. We're starting to do. I'm starting to build up some designs and prototypes at the moment for stuff to sell through the shop. Um, cool. We're going to be doing um, like, I guess, emergency power out, battery backup. <coughs> so imagine uh, a box, you know, sort of. 300 by 200 sort of size um, and that'll have like a 10 amp hour USB power pack it'll have a cup a USB torch it'll have a little mini you know one of those those small little emergency radio FM yeah. radio things with headphones um, it'll have um, what else is in there I can't remember there's a couple other things in there and there's a solar panel on top that if you leave it out in the sun during the day, it'll recharge that battery pack. You know, all sort of in a box. So I'm gonna la I'm gonna laser cut Kits. the box out of ply and and sell them. You know, sell them off as as um, emergency power kits. You know, yeah, they'll be yeah, like fifty good. bucks something like that, and it'll be you just leave it. You know, once it's charged up, you chuck it in the cupboard. When you get a blackout, you know, you can charge your phones and do a few bits and pieces, and you know, you're good for over, basically overnight before you got to yeah. worry about it. You know. <clears throat> and we're doing another one which is um uh like a uh i guess a fire it's not really a fire well it's sort of a fire start it's more of a nighttime emergency kit it's gonna have same thing it'll have a torch it'll have um a flint and steel it'll have some weatherproof matches it'll have your um kindling it'll have your <clears throat> uh everything you need to basically start a fire and yep. that'll be in a little box and stuff and you know they're basically just loading the god box to your car or whatever and if you get stuck somewhere at least you can start a fire or signal somebody or yep. or whatever so we're going to start doing kits like that but um that's why i wanted to get the 3d printer working and i, I gotta get more into the the laser cutting because i can cut all those boards out of five mil ply and make all the boxes in house and stuff like that so we can the custom design them to how we want them to be Nice. So, you should do those um, <clears throat> joysticks like Monster Joystick that I got. Would keep came with a cardboard box kit, and you just screw everything together. Mm. Well, uh, same same principle, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's good because there's a, there's a lot of versatility in stuff like that. Um, and once you've got it jigged up, it's just a matter of putting it in. It, it does all the work. Obviously, it's assembly and cleanup and stuff to do, but. Yep. So much easier than it was in the old days where you had to <laughs> cut everything on a bandsaw and, yeah, no, no yeah. I'm not talented enough for that. No, <coughs> neither. <laughs> Funny enough. But, um, no, it's, yeah, 
Uh, we're, we're looking at um, doing a lot of that sort of stuff. I eventually want to have little kits. I want to have a um, like a rations kit and a water purifying kit and a, a fire starting kit and a, you life know, straw. Uh, well, sort of, but you can only really buy those. But um, you know, like a, um, an overnight, um, like an overnight ration or an overnight emergency shelter kit, stuff like that. You know, all these little bits and pieces. Just, to, I mean, they're stocking fillers more than anything. But you never know when somebody might they won't be going away for a weekend. They've just sort of realised they've forgotten their torch and their matches and, you know, well, here you go. Here's a, you know. Well, you know what? It's, it sounds like you're currently <coughs> got BCI there for Battery Central Ipswich, but this is starting to sound like BCF. <laughs> yeah, the difference is the stuff we sell is quality. <laughs> <laughs> so. Sounds like the kind of stuff that they have. <laughs> well, our other Thank one... Our other ones... Um, uh, our, our other business names, What Energy Solutions. Yep. So all this stuff will be sold under under that. So what energy? Yeah, what energy? What? <laughs> what? What? What are you talking about? Do what, mate? <laughs> so speaking of the battery survival stuff, I got to test my Tesla battery backup system today with the emergency power system that worked well. It's not really emergency power when they tell you you're going to have a blackout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not like you've got the aircon cranking and, you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple of days ago, I told it to keep 100% of battery for emergency. And um, last couple of days, it's just been raining. So I'm glad I did. Otherwise, it might not have got much to charge yeah, up with. It wouldn't but, have. Um, I had, uh, they said it was the power was going to go out at 8.30 and come back on at 4, but it went out about 10 o'clock or something, and you just saw the lights in the house flicker, and then um, my uh, Solar X um, inverter starts beeping, and it just beeped for the whole day, so I was glad I took the day off work, because I'd be sitting in the office right next to the garage listening to the damn beeping all day, but I'm up this end of the house with my headphones on, listening to Sanctuary Radio and not hearing a damn thing. And yeah, apart from a quick flicker of the lights when it changed over, I didn't even notice. And then um, I think they had it going about 2.30. It was all back on the grid again. And you don't notice when it clicks back to the grid. And uh, I just checked on my phone when it was happening and probably about uh, one o'clock or something, it still had said that it still had about nine, 10 hours of battery left and didn't even touch the LG Chem battery. so. It was a good test, but I said to the boss, I'm not going to work today because I don't know if the power is just going to suddenly go out or how long the batteries are going to keep going or what's going to happen. But yeah, it was a good successful test for the first time. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a best case scenario too because even though it was raining, your pack was already charged. Yep. And because you're expecting a blackout, you weren't using that much power. So the solar was still assisting. Yeah. You know, it, it, it'd be different if it was... You know, it was four days ago when it was 35 degrees and I had the big egg, crappy old air conditioner from 1970s in the kitchen going, cooling the whole house down. Yeah, and not only that, the you got to think if it was three o'clock in the morning, you yep. know, you've still got the aircon on, your, your battery's now flat because it's been depleted because you've had it, told it to use it for the first six hours of that night. Yeah. You know, you would have lost power because it, it, you don't have any power, you know. So, best case scenario, it works perfectly fine, but yep. you probably, um, can you set it to say only ever discharge to like 50%? 20% they reckon. Leave it. Leave 20% of the battery for emergency and the rest of it you use overnight. Well, 20%, yeah, but out. if you've got the aircon running, 20% is only like an hour. And I've got the um, LG Chem as well. So when the oh, Tesla gets down together. to zero, it starts sucking it from the LG. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Does it do that by default or like you can yeah. tell it to not do that? No. Yeah. That's, so. how, that's how the um, electrician said he wired it up to be like that. I, I was watching both of the apps on my phone and I said, it looks like this is how it happens. He said, yep, that's how I set it up. So I hope it would do that. Yeah. So realistically, you just tell it to use the Tesla one, leave the LG one charged. So at least you've got you know fifty percent of your, it's effectively fifty percent of your pack. Yep, they're both yep. the same size batteries, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So at least you'd have, yeah. Let's see. If, I mean, you, that's one thing a lot of people don't understand. 
about the sort of system you've got. They go, oh, it's great. I've got power in a blackout. I'm like, well, you sort of do. But to yeah. have power in a blackout, you have to have the power there. If yeah. you've used <laughs> the power, you don't have the power in a blackout. That's right. Yeah. So it's But by having the two battery packs, you've got the best of both worlds because you can run you can run them during that that high peak demand where you're paying more for your power and you still got one battery there that you can re- fall back on if you do get a blackout. So yeah. it works well doing it that way. And you can set up the um, times that it can use the grid and stuff if, if it's um, getting low or... Um, yeah, you set it to like after midnight or whatever. Yeah, and since Amber sends me an alert if something's going to peak... You can always quickly switch it over and switch it back later if you wanted to. Mm. But I usually have it going probably um, 7 a.m. to to uh, about 4 p.m. It uh, just uses all solar and then the rest of the time it's on battery. Yeah. And then I don't get these big spikes at 5 in the afternoon when everyone gets home and suddenly electricity costs $5 instead of 20 cents. <laughs> Yeah, I changed uh, electricity providers, and that was what two months ago, three months, well, at least two months ago. Yep. I haven't sent a bill yet. Oh. <laughs> I try to log onto their online portal, and it tells me I don't have an account with them. Oh. I log well, on don't to, tell them. I log on to Amber, and I don't have an account with them. <laughs> okay, I've got an account with somebody. <laughs> the only only bill I really get now is the um, network connection yeah. fee. Which they have to pay to like Energy Australia or something. Yeah, it's a bit rude. Pretty good. But um, <clears throat> also, I did put together the pie hole on my server and oh, yeah. just looking at um, total queries from the last uh, 24 hours 31,500 queries and 1,857 were blocked. Wow. So I just tell the router in the house to route all DNS queries through the Pi-hole server. Yeah. And then uh, it looks at its cache, and if it's already got the info there, it sends that out instantly. But if it doesn't, it goes out through OpenDNS. So it's secure and fast and everything. And, yeah, haven't had any problems with anything. It just works. Nice. And um, there's there's a, a guy who has uh, what they call a tick file where he's constantly updating it on his website and you just set up the pie hole to once a day downloads a copy of his tick file and installs it into pie hole so if there's some new um, advertising companies or they a lot of them register like 80 domains Mm. so they can send their advertising you block this one so they register a new domain they block that one you block these 50 so they register another 10 and try and get around it all the time so this guy just sits there and keeps it updated and there's probably half a dozen different tick lists i've just got his one because he's on um reddit and you can message him and talk to him about it and get help if you had any problems but i didn't have any problems i just set it up how he said on his github and away it goes nice yeah works really well you go to there's still um news.com.au uses admiral ad block anti-ad blocking software if i go there it says hi it looks like you're using a blocker would mm. you like to log in or pay us money i'm like no i'll just go to a different website yeah. every other website no problem and the weird thing was this is all dns based right so you don't set it up in your browser you don't set it up on your computer it's all on your network if i went to news.com.au using chrome no edge Edge was the other one that I had on here already. No anti-pop-up blocker. If I go there on Firefox, it says, oh, you're blocking our ads. If I go there on Edge, I don't see the ads, but it also doesn't detect that I'm blocking the ads. We'll see if Firefox itself blocks ads by default. I tried turning all of that off. Yeah, I don't know. It might be something. Maybe it just knows you've got Firefox, so it's just going, hey, you're blocking ads. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I have an Firefox issue. Firefox is that naughty thing that's always blocking our stuff. Because I've got an issue, because I'm still using um, I'm still using Pop, so I'm still using Linux. It's, it's working wonderful. Yep. But I have an issue with Firefox that I can't, um, can't 
do video, whether it's YouTube, whether it's uh, embedded video, whatever. Oh, I've, ins- I've installed FMM- FFmpeg. I've installed several different ver- different video drivers that are supposed to fix this thing, and it just will not. It just says comes up constantly saying invalid file type. Oh, that's weird. Um, it's really weird. It won't play MP3s. It won't play like streaming radio. It works on Opera. It works on Chrome. It works on Chromium. It works on Midori. It works on all the other browsers. It just won't work on Firefox. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. I wonder what's going on there. I don't know. So, it's a bit of a pain because I, I have that logged in as our work account. So, I'm going to check my um, YouTube and check stuff like that to update the work account. Even even to go to the website to um, look at the medium stuff we've got on the website, it won't load any of that. Oh, jeez. So, I'm not sure what's going on there. That bizarre. So. The other thing that I managed to figure out my Synology NAS disk, disk station was not connecting to the network. I couldn't couldn't connect to it through the network shares. I couldn't ping it. I went to the router and had a look. It didn't exist. So I tried holding down the button on the front to try and turn it off. You do that for a few seconds and it goes into shutdown. Waited, waited, wouldn't shut down. It just kept flashing the blue light on the front. So I pulled the power out which i don't really want to do but linux is good at recovering from uh, sudden power outages plug it back in after about five minutes i can bring up the web interface log in there fine i can ssh to it i can map the drives have a look around about 10 15 minutes later it's off the network again couldn't figure out what was wrong and i didn't have time to do it but today since i took the day out off in case of the power might go out I thought, well, if we should finally get stuck into this. So I'm Googling all over the place. And I thought, well, what I'll also do, I have a drive, X uh, drive is mapped to there so I can back up some of my stuff from my computer because I've got three drives in the NAS. So I've got redundancy and stuff. And I thought, well, worst comes to worst, I'll copy this over to the new server that we're running our game server stuff on. And... Um, so I started deleting a lot of stuff that I haven't used in years and has just been sitting around on drives going, one day I'll get back to that. Mm. Never did. So I thought I'll start deleting that. And then I was Googling around a lot more. And then I came across somebody said something about um, check the storage volume manager. And I looked in there and it said currently performing data scrubbing. I was like, well, that's a bit odd. What's data scrubbing? Sounds like something you do before you're selling your hard drive. You scrub all the data off it with a high-level encryption or something. Mm. Um, and it turns out that if it thinks the integrity of one or more of the drives in the um, drive storage pool is compromised, it does a data scrub where it does a byte check on every little part of uh, data that's stored on the drives and goes through the whole lot, which is... Um, well, six terabytes all up, but um, four four of it is usable because the rest is all redundancy. And so I, I saw that people said you can stop it. So I clicked on stop doing the data scrub. And for the next hour, it was still connectable. I could ping it. I could SSH to it. I could map drives to it. And I'm like, well, that was it. So it got stuck in this data scrubbing. And it had been doing that for a few days, but after 15 minutes of the computer coming up when it started the data scrub, suddenly it couldn't connect to the network and everything else was shut down while it's doing this. And somebody else said they had something similar happen and it shouldn't do that because it's something that's supposed to do in the background. And it, when you have a look at the page, it says status data scrubbing, this will cause um, an impact on this uh, usage of this device but it's not supposed to completely block off all use to it Mm. and especially not for a few days so um, I also had something that I was wondering I had one drive in there which had failed a few months ago and I got two new drives that I put in there to replace it and um, the Synology had said this drive has been marked as bad and we're not going to use it in the storage pool. So your storage pool was one drive until I got two more to put in. But I just left it there. I hadn't been uh, disconnecting it or anything or taking it out because I just wanted to make sure everything was going. Once it was going, I was like, well, I'm not going to stop it now. 
But I took that drive out. Oh, I shut down, of course. Took that drive out. Started it up again. It's working. Let it go for about an hour. Still no problems. So I started the data scrubbing again, which is like a file system integrity check. It's been going for the last three or four hours, and it's um, currently 21.75% through, and the drive's still there, and everything's still working. So for some reason, one, one drive that was dodgy, which it had marked dodgy dead drive, not part of the pool or anything, I don't know if it was trying to data scrub that, even though it was dead, or what was going, and it was getting stuck, or what was happening, but... As soon as you stop the data scrubbing, the uh, NAS would work. Take out the drive, do the data scrub, no problem. So, hmm. all I can guess is that's maybe what it was. Sounds like fun. Very strange. But I'm glad I got everything going again. And now I've got two places to save data on, so I've got even more redundancy. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't got two copies, you don't have a copy. That's right, yeah. And... Um, I, I, that got me busy because I had a um, SSD in the gaming server that we use that I hadn't petitioned or formatted or anything. I had a spare one, so I thought I'll whack it in there because I didn't have anything else to do with it. So today I got busy and I finally mounted it on the system after petitioning it and putting BTRFS on there and mapping it and stuff like that so now I've got an extra 500 gig on that one that I can the use for stuff only person who doesn't call it butter butter <laughs> everybody else calls it butter butter file system yeah butter it's face. not it's not even close it's BTRFS <laughs> but everyone calls it butter and I don't know why <laughs> it annoys me I'd never heard of it until I was putting um, Pop, Pop OS on my computer. Mm. I was like, what's a good one to get? I know EXT4, but that's 100 years old. And everyone's going, well, if you want stability, EXT4 is 100 years old, but it still works really well. Yeah. Then there was, oh, if you want to use Butter file system, <laughs> you can try that out. And it also has a, um, it detects if you've got SSD and enables certain modes on it to mm. work better for that. And, all sorts of stuff and I looked on Reddit and a lot of people had said yeah really love this file system I always use it from now on it's stable has no issues so I thought ah oh, stuff if anything happens I can always just rebuild the drive again but no I haven't had it. you know I'm using yet. it under I'm still using um, XT4 for my system drive but I'm using yep. butter for what would be the recovery, the, the temp, the whatever the other swap. ones are, swap. Yeah. Um, I'm using it for those because, yeah, if you have a recovery petition with that, it can apparently you only need like 10% of your drive allocated to a recovery position, petition and it can recover like almost the entire drive in that 10% that it's got or something. It's nice. It's got, so I don't know how it does it, but yeah. <laughs> magic. Yeah, lots and lots yeah. of magic. So, Shall we do some news? So as we can try. We'll do the big one. Microsoft is buying Call of Duty maker Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion, which is $96 billion Australian. The biggest gaming industry deal in history as global technology giants stake their claims to a virtual future. The deal is Microsoft's biggest ever and is set to be the largest all-cash acquisition on record. It'll bolster its firepower in the booming video game market where it takes on leaders Tencent and Sony. It also represents the American multinationals bet on the metaverse, virtual online worlds where people can work, play and socialize as many as the biggest competitors are already doing. Gaming is the most dynamic and exciting category in entertainment across all platforms today and will play a key role in development of metaverse platforms, Microsoft Chief Executive Sachin Adela said. The deal comes at a time of weakness for Activision, maker of games such as Overwatch and Candy Crush. Before the deal was announced, its shares had slumped more than 37% since reaching a record high last year, hit by allegations of sexual harassment of employees and misconduct by several top managers. The company is still addressing those allegations and said on Monday it had fired or pushed out more than three dozen employees and disciplined another 40 since July. CEO Bobby Kotick said the Microsoft said Microsoft approached him about a possible buyout, would continue as CEO of Activision following the deal, 
although the Wall Street Journal reported he is expected to leave after it closes. In a conference call with analysts, Microsoft boss Nadella did not directly refer to the scandal, but talked about the importance of culture in the company. It's critical for Activision Blizzard to drive forward on its renewed cultural commitments, he said, adding the success of this acquisition will depend on it. So Microsoft's going to be pretty big for gaming stuff. Well, didn't... Isn't uh, Facebook getting in trouble for buying all social media platforms? Yep. So is Microsoft going to get in trouble for buying all the gaming platforms? You would think so. <laughs> and I think I read that um, NVIDIA wasn't allowed to buy ARM because they thought they were going to be too big a juggernaut, so mm. that got blocked. So they're off. Um, they're starting their own CPU company. <laughs> like, well, if we can't have yours, we'll build our own with blackjack and hookers. Yeah. In it's... fact, forget the blackjack. Well, I mean, it's not like they haven't gone. They haven't done anything. It's not like they haven't got experience building chips. Yeah. Yep. So. And everyone needs everyone to build chips. Well, at the moment, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they've done all right with with. So everyone thought once they bought Minecraft, they were going to kill it. Yep. But they've done pretty well with that so far. Okay, they've done some some. Silly things. They've made some questionable choices, but for the most part, it's been pretty decent handling of it. Yeah. Um, and they're going to own uh, like uh, Crash Bandicoot and Spyro and Minecraft, Starcraft, and Warcraft. Yeah, but it's funny <laughs> because they obviously got their Xbox platform, but like Crash Bandicoot and all those other games were all like Sony yeah they're all yeah. <laughs> they're all like not anymore so it's yeah does that mean they're going really release an emulator for the Xbox the Xbox fridge <laughs> apparently yeah. their sales are going off crazy because Sony can't make PS5s and Sony's like well if we can't make PS5s we're going to do more PS4s and well, sell them I mean yeah they're selling for like a hundred bucks or something so yeah. it's not that bad if you want if you're just a casual gamer who you know plays with your kids occasionally or has older games anyway yep. I mean it's not the PS4 is not exactly a slow machine no I mean it was it still had virtual reality had the whole yeah. you know position tracking and everything in it so it's not a bad got thing PS PSVR 2 coming out for the PS5 yeah Supposed to have better trackings and stuff. So we'll see what happens there. But yep. um should be yeah, interesting. Microsoft needed some injection of some really good IP for Xbox and PC. Yeah, I think. but you don't think of them as a gaming I mean, I guess they always have because I mean they did Age of Empires and they did a you know it's not like they've it's never done simulator. games. Yeah, Microsoft Flight Sim. It's um, the number one. Then there was uh what was the the game the Solitaire. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, the, and pinball. Um, and what pinball. was the one on the the demo? Um, <laughs> in the Windows ninety five demo CD, there was Carter? no. There was that f- game, the flying one. You fly the spaceships around. Sure. Um, it was on the same one as like the uh, Weezer. Weezer demo and all that. I can't think of what it's called now. How can I? I like love that Weezer one. I used to play that all the time. Was it called Hover? I think it might have been. Probably. But yeah, so I mean, they're not exactly new to games. They've, they've done games. It's just games have always been like an Side afterthought thing. to a, you know, yeah. been, been an end end to a means rather than a means to an end. You know, so it's interesting now that they've gone all in on on gaming companies. Um, the upside is at least what it means is that um, the games that they do develop now should be optimised for their platform, so whether that be so. Windows or Xbox. Or both, because they're building um, well, Xbox yeah. Game Pass into Windows now. Mm. going to be is, basically the same operating system. They're going to have the direct storage from Xbox come to Windows 11. It's and kind of annoying because there's Forza Motorsport uh, five, four and five, yep, and they're effectively Xbox games that run in the Windows environment, and they're they're kind of half ported. Um, but you've got to have an Xbox account. You know, you can buy the game for a hundred bucks, yep. but you've also got to have an Xbox account. Game Pass. <laughs> uh. It's like seriously, 
Yeah. So that's that could be. I see. I haven't ported across my Mojang. Every time I log into Minecraft, I have it says that to me too. <laughs> like, please, I accidentally clicked the wrong button the other day, and it started redirecting me to Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, I didn't want to do that. I don't know how it's not going to let me get away with it, but it for won't now, overnight, but it will happen. The problem is I can't. There's we've got two that we can't transfer because I don't have active email addresses attached to them anymore. Uh. You need the active email, like Obsidian Loft. We can never transfer that across because that that email domain doesn't exist anymore. Don't tell anyone; they'll register it. <laughs> so, but well, yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, so I don't know how you're supposed to. Um, and the second character that I use, I don't have that active domain for that anymore either. Yep. So I don't know how you're supposed to. Um, maybe there's there'd have to be a way around that. Surely, I can't yep. expect somebody to have a. Like if you've got a, you know, Fred at Telstra.com and then two years later you changed to Optus, well, I mean, they can't expect you to have I your, did that. You know. Yes, I, I changed to Optus. <laughs> but they can't expect you to keep your domain. You know, a lot of people change domains when they change jobs or they change, you know, because a lot of people use their work email and I have a personal one. Yeah. So surely there'd have to be a way to change that. People might still have their America Online account. I've still got my Aussie mail one. Oh. I had a customer the other day come in with an Aussie mail one. I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> really? I think it's I think it's hosted by WPT or something now, but it still exists. I net boredom. Or is it I net? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it still exists because I, uh, yeah, they'll tell me about it. I'm like, okay, that's, I'll have to go back and check mine. Yeah, mine was still there. I'm like, wow. <laughs> so, I mean, I've had my Gmail account that long. I paid... I bid on eBay for one of the beta invites. Yeah. Back when that was a thing. <laughs> I paid like 50 or 60 bucks for it. Yeah. Just to get a beta invite. I told you I hacked my friend's one. Yeah. Because he, he got a Gmail. He's like, ha ha, I got Gmail in the beta <laughs> and you didn't. So I was like, oh, I'll try and log into his account. Which, what's your mother's maiden name? <laughs> I don't know, Simpson, like Homer Simpson. Yes, that's correct. Click here to change your password. <laughs> I said, dude, I'm in your account. He's like, what? Are you sure? I was like, yeah. He said, prove it. I said, well, here's your new password you'll have to log in with. And also, I just sent you an email from yourself. He's like, bloody hell, I've got to change my forgot your password question now. <laughs> well, what was worse back when because I had my um, my, my uh, Hotmail account first obviously because most people did but the problem with the Hotmail accounts they weren't secure because you could just copy what was in the address bar in any browser copy it to Notepad yep. put on a floppy because you're allowed to have floppies in the library back in the day <laughs> take it to a completely separate computer or take it home or take it somewhere else paste that back into a browser on another computer and it would take you straight into the <laughs> into the Hotmail account. Like, it was using the browser address to direct you to the account. There was no... Well, you had your credentials, but your credentials were included in the in the thing. So if you yeah, had really, the address yeah. on the bar, you could get straight into <laughs> the account. <laughs> oh, you don't have to worry. Somebody else has already registered obsidianloft.com. Oh, great. It's owned by Namebright servers. Uh, you can purchase it off them. It's a holding account. Yeah. And we, they've registered up to the 12th of May this year. It's all right. We can get it back on the previous prior art because we've already had it. Try. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. <clears throat> um, speaking of weird things. Well, okay, we are now. FedEx. They asked the FAA to let it install anti-missile lasers on its cargo planes. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> so, with the right military equipment, a single person can target a plane from three miles away using a heat-seeking missile. While such a nightmare is a rare occurrence, FedEx has applied to the FAA seeking approval to install a laser-based anti-missile defense system on its cargo planes as an added safety measure. <laughs> FedEx requested the Federal Aviation Administration filed on January 4th didn't come completely out of left field. In 2008, the company worked in Northrop Grumman with Northrop Grumman to test 
its anti-missile laser-based defence system on 12 of the shipping company's cargo planes over a year. At the time, Northrop Grumman announced that the system is ready to be deployed on civilian aircraft, although no commercial orders have been placed. FedEx application to allow it to install anti-missile systems on Airbus Model A321 doesn't specifically mention Northrop Grumman's hardware, so the shipping company could now be working with another company. But the proposed hardware is basically the same as what tested back in 2008, which is scheduled to be published in the Federal Register on January 18th. FedEx cites several incidents abroad where civilian aircraft were fired upon by man... Man portable? Is that a word? Yes. <laughs> Air defence systems, which are nearly impossible to detect given the range of operation, but unfortunately, undoubtedly, a serious threat when operating aircraft in parts of the world. The biggest problem with the FedEx application seems to be the FAA's design standards for transport category airplanes did not envisage that the design feature could project infrared laser energy outside the airplane. The FAA's design standards are inadequate to address this capability. As a result, the defence system is being considered a novel and unusual design feature and as such will be subjected to severe special safety regulations given how dangerous intense infrared light can be to the skin and eyes of persons on the aircraft, on the ground or on other aircraft. Why didn't you say in an aircraft instead of anyway? <laughs> These regulations will include the ability to completely disable the system while on the airplane on the ground to prevent inadvertent operation. So, yeah, I mean, I was unaware that, you know, surface to air missiles was such a huge threat to FedEx, but. <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> it must, must be. It's not just their own stuff, <laughs> it's other people now. I was going to say, it must be coming from like US Postal or USPS or something, <laughs> trying to take out the competition. Uh, but I mean, it's one like, way to do it. Seriously, if where, where do you stop that downhill spiral? Yeah. Okay, so one lot of planes got has got laser-based anti-missile defense system. What exactly is it? I mean, I get. So a lot of planes now have a laser targeting system. So if somebody shines a laser in the pilot's eyes, it can detect where that comes from. Yep. That's one thing. But this is a missile defense system, which means if somebody shoots a missile at it, it actively deploys countermeasures to whether it's chaff, whether it's heat-seeking missiles, whether it's whatever. Yep. <laughs> I mean, how do you... <laughs> I can just see it now. Like One of the defense mechanisms, they just open the cargo doors and all the packages just fall out. And it's <laughs> <laughs> Good luck getting one of them. Meep, meep, let me out of here. Uh, of all the things that FedEx could do to improve their productivity, I really can't see that being one of them, honestly. <laughs> they got too much money to spend by the sound of well, it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not exactly a $12 part. Uh, you know? <laughs> so that's... Hmm. <laughs> something just going to gonna buy tomahawks or something in the future. Well, it's, it just, just have a F-111 flying beside the airplane <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and deploy it if it needs it. Yeah. <laughs> They're going cheap now. The, Army, the Air Force aren't using them anymore. No. <laughs> They're sitting in a boneyard somewhere. With our submarines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably hanging out together <laughs> playing cards. <laughs> That's Uber has snapped up Australian peer-to-peer car sharing platform Car Next Door for an undisclosed sum. Car Next Door started in 2012 as a way for people to rent out private vehicles when they were otherwise not in use. Uber said in a statement that post-acquisition, Car Next Door will report into Uber's Australian team but it will otherwise operate independently with existing leadership remaining focused on building and scaling their technology in more cities across Australia. Uber Australia and New Zealand General Manager Dom Taylor said 2022 marked 10 years since both Uber and Car Next Door launched in Australia. A lot has changed in that time, but one thing has stayed constant, a shared vision that we need to make transport not just safe, convenient and affordable, but also sustainable. Taylor said that the car next door would give Uber users something they had not had access to before, access to a car for mid-range and longer distance trips. This deal will change that and mean the Uber platform can be a reliable and convenient alternative to the choice to own a car. Carnextor CEO and co-founder Will Davies said the deal would help the company scale up our ambitions and look to move Australians away from over-reliance on the private car. Yeah, I mean, other countries have had it for quite a while. We're a bit slow in that regard. Mm. 
So, but a lot of countries have had it for quite a while, and a lot of them are starting to ban it now. Oh. <laughs> so, how does your insurance go when somebody else is driving a car? That's why they're starting to ban it, because um, technically, well, you can when you insure your vehicle, you can insure it for anybody to drive it. But if you don't have your policy set up correctly, then if anybody other than you is driving it, your premiums a lot more. Yeah. Um. So you can You'd have that, to make sure that your money you make from loaning your car out offsets the premium. Yeah, and more. you've got to have some, you know, like if it's under twenty five, it's higher again. And who's going to smoke in there? Or and this is a lot of the issues they have. Um, and a lot of them, a lot of countries are, are just banning it now because of those exact reasons. Go through a red light or a speed, who gets the ticket? That's right, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, then again, everybody said Uber would never succeed here. So yeah, um, apparently it has. Uber's, I mean, Uber's doing really well for himself. They're basically just not bad for th- a company that doesn't have any employees. Well, that's that was their success point i mean they basically just pay contractors it's up to the contractors to meet the criteria required mm. and it's no different than than anybody who hires a contractor or a tradesman you yeah. you're employing them based on the fact that they're able to do the job to fulfill the legal requirements it's not on you it's on them yeah and that's basically how uber operates which taxi companies couldn't and still can't get their heads around you know they they can they still can't figure out that by taking the emphasis off the company and giving it to the, you know, to the contractor, you can save a lot of money because it's not your problem, you know. And so, the guy doesn't have to pay off a brand new car over the next 10 years. Yeah. And well, the thing is, if somebody wants to do it, then, you know, they might get them and their brother and their uncle or something involved and they might all go in to buy a car and they just run the car 24 hours between them, you know. So... Yeah. That's up to them what they want to do. So it's um, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't have. I mean, I've got. There are. I, I have some issues with Uber, but realistically, I have a lot less issues with them than I do with many other companies. So <laughs> I hope they do all right in some regards. It's like even ordering food. You've got Uber. You've got DoorDash. You've got menu log. Menu log. You've got. What's the new one? Kanga food. It's like or doo-doo or something. Yeah, there's DD. DD. Yeah, there's like doo-doo. five or six. Yeah. Can I can I get the doo-doo for dinner? <laughs> can I have the doo-doo platter? <laughs> um, there's like five or six of them now, and I occasionally will do like menu log. The other ones are just completely useless. Uh, menu log can be okay when they have their specials um, but 99% of the time I'll just use Uber you pay a bit more you pay a service fee but if there's ever an issue with the with the meal you file a complaint like I've never had an issue I literally file a complaint 10 seconds later they've put the money back in my account no. like they don't ask for, they don't ask for photos they don't ask for this they, don't, they just go yep no worries here you go <clears throat> whereas the other ones you know like menu log it took me two weeks Jeez. just to like it wasn't even it wasn't worth the hassle honestly which is I guess what they hope yeah people say because it was like I think they were missing like a drink and a packet of chips or something out of the meal it was a couple of bucks yeah and I thought oh screw it you know I thought it was like Uber you just type in what what's done and it's done then they wanted photos of the missing items, <laughs> which I love. Here's that. my empty hand. Yeah, it's like <laughs> PayPal's been doing that to me lately too. Yeah, I filed a complaint. Is <coughs> that AliExpress has been horrible lately? I'm not ordering off them anymore. The amount of problems I've had lately with stuff not being, or stuff either being broken or just being shafted with the quantities. Yeah. And I filed a thing against them saying, I ordered 10, they're giving me 6. And they oh, can you send us a photo of the missing 4? No. So I sent them a photo of the Fantastic 4. <laughs> and they go, what's this? I said, well, they've been missing for ages. I said, but maybe, they can, <laughs> maybe they've been out looking for it. Then they realised what they'd said. Yeah. And they said, well, can you send us a photo of the 6? I'm like, 
How does that even but prove anything? <laughs> that makes even less sense than the last question you asked me. <laughs> then they said, well, can you, can you show us, can you send us a video of them not working? <laughs> um, so you want me to plug a faulty electrical device yep. into a perfectly functioning phone, like Destroy a $3 it. electrical device into an $1,100 phone, to prove that the three dollar electrical device doesn't work, yep, not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's just. Uh, but too much. same with the, like the, yeah, the the food for, um, menu log and that. It, it, it took three weeks to get like six dollars back. Like it's just because Uber yeah. goes, hey, oh, you miss you, your chips are cold, or you have your thirty dollars back. It's like, yeah. no, no, okay. <laughs> 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 so uh, we'll see I've even done it with um, <clears throat> uh, uh, taxi ride yep. the driver took the wrong even though I told him to go one way he took the wrong turn and ended up getting stuck on a one way street and having to turn around it cost me an extra like five bucks because he didn't do as I told him and I filed a thing with, with Uber for taxis and they go oh, yeah no worries oh, yeah, I see you're claiming like five dollars here have your whole fare back Oh. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Fine. That's how you get repeat customers. Yeah, exactly. And I've never had a problem using them because of that. Yep. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll now actively use Uber when I can over a normal taxi or over anything else or over the food delivery, even if it does cost me occasionally a little bit more than somebody else because I know that if something goes wrong, it's not going to be a problem. Yeah. So. It's worth it. <clears throat> so yeah I was thinking uh, I remember reading an article back in like 8 years ago or something like 2014 or something like that and um, it was so when they upgraded and added a new module to the space station one of the things they added to it was a 3D printer because they work in, in zero G because they don't rely on gravity to print they, they rely on adhesion and actually, if you want to trip trip yourself out for a little bit, if you actually own a 3D printer uh, and you're in the middle of printing something, grab it and turn it upside down and it'll continue to print. It's the weirdest thing to watch. <laughs> it messes with you. But um, but yeah, so they have a 3D printer on there and they had um, various... Though it was easier to send packs of, you know, rolls of filament to the space station um, than send 47 little C-clips and little bits and pieces and, and, and hose retainers and stuff like that. So they did that. It's a lightweight way of doing it. And um, so one of the, they, they printed all these little bits and pieces and then they actually had an issue with... Um, I can't remember exactly what it was. They had an issue with solar panels or something like that. And um, one of the astronauts had lost like the formula socket or whatever it was that goes on this thing yep. so they contacted nasa and nasa actually designed this ratchet spinner and they emailed them the file this yep. is the first file that had ever been printed externally so they had a sd card with files on it that they were using to print stuff but this was the first one this was actually emailed to them and um, they printed it off and used this like ratchet spanner thing in space to tighten up a bolt that needed to be tightened. <laughs> so it was Brilliant. like a practical use for it. But they're using them more and more and it's to the point now where they actually um, do a lot of upgrades with their printer, including yep. upgrading the printer because you can use it. A, a printer's like a lathe that you can use the device to upgrade the device. Yep. But... In the last few years, there's been a ma in the last like two years in particular, there's been a huge increase. So if you use if you know about three D printing, the main ones you'll know about is PLA, which is the most common one that almost everybody uses. It's the most forgiving, doesn't need a heated bed, prints at you know two hundred odd degrees, relatively easy to work with. And there's ABS, which is a bit harder to work with, needs a heated bed. But it's also relatively common. But now there's all these other ones. There's there's Peak and Peck and Puck and SVU. And there's like, I don't know, there's like 400 different types of filaments now. Yep. But 
<clears throat> on the space station now, they've, they've gone from the good old PLA that they were using, um, polylactosacetate, something like that, I think it is. They've gone to... Um, They've gone to carbon fiber peak now. Uh. Um, so peak, um, is it peak or peck? Because there's, there's two. Hang on, let's make sure I'm talking about the right one. No, peak is the new one they're using, which is it's carbon fiber and it, it it's almost like steel. Like it, when it after you've printed the thing, it's 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 metal hard. It's yep. fire fire resistant. It's um, heat resistant. It's uh, radiation resistant. It's chemical resistant. It's basically everything that you would expect metal to be effectively. Um, okay, it's a bit hard to work with. It needs a print temperature of about four hundred and ten degrees, yep. which is <laughs> twice as hot as most printers will actually even go. Um, it needs a bed temperature of like one hundred and fifty degrees in an enclosure. So the whole enclosure has to be has to be kept at like 150 degrees to work with, and it needs a hardened steel. Well, it needs a, a special tool steel that's annealed at a certain temperature because the standard, uh, being carbon fiber, standard brass nozzle would chew out in no time, and a normal hardened steel would chew out because. At f- they they aren't they anneal at about 400 degrees so it would take the hardening off it so when you buy this roll of filament for 750 dollars us per kilo <laughs> they wow. give they give you a couple of these tool steel nozzles to go with it <laughs> um but what it means is they're sending this they're using this every time they do a resupply mission up to the space station they're sending this up there now and what it means is if they need a tool or they need to make a certain size bolt or screw or nut or a component for something, they literally can print steel effectively, print a metal structure or something that has most of the properties of metal. Yep. So if they need clips or clamps or they need to make another tool or they need to make a vice or whatever they need to do, they can literally print it on board the space station now. So, for the sake of taking a couple of kilos of of filament up there, instead of taking 20 kilos worth of tools, because they're not exactly, you know, obviously, I think, I can't remember what the statistics were, but it was something like $100,000 for every pound or something that you add in weight. (laughs) Something ridiculous it costs to launch. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so you send a couple of spools of this up there and... And they can print whatever they need to print now. So it's really, it's gone from just a hobby thing that, you know, you can use to print cute little pot plants and, you know, figurines to an actual production quality. um, And they're actually using it in the medical industry too because, because it is chemical resistant and heat resistant, it can be sterilized. <coughs> so they're using it a lot for um, for making one-off or, or limited run uh, items to use in in hospitals and operations and stuff like that because you can sterilize it. So yeah, it's amazing now. Given that ten years ago, well, ten years ago nobody knew what a three D printer was. Eight years ago, the average you know maker knew about them and wished to have them five years ago most of the makers actually got them so realistically we're talking for a product that's been mainstream for about five years in the last two years there's been over 100 different types of filament developed specifically for 3d printers yeah i mean there's not a lot of industries that really have a three-year window that have gone from being unheard of to being massively manufactured for (laughs) you know and okay it's expensive but um, they can't like the supply. The, su- the demand's outstripping the supply. They they can't keep up with the people who want these. Yep. Um, because there's suddenly like people are uh, printing. Um, they're printing custom intake manifolds for vehicles. They're printing 
old they're printing custom heads for old motorbikes and old cars that you can no longer get components for um and okay it sounds expensive 750 bucks a kilo sounds like a lot of money for a filament but the thing is you, if you were to get a block of aluminium machined you, you're paying for the block of aluminium first before it gets machined you're paying for that which would be more than you know a kilo of aluminium is not a real big block um then you're paying for the machine the design development and machining on top of that you know you're easily up a few thousand dollars whereas for the sake of seven hundred dollars you can prototype something or even permanently print something um so the prototyping industry the the retrofitting industry they're going gangbusters over this stuff they love it they're using it for so much stuff now um yeah it's just it's I remember taking copying flack six or seven years ago, saying that you know this is going to be the next big thing. Everyone's like, no, no, it's not. It's a novel. <laughs> it's a novel. It'll wear off. Nobody's going to find like a use for any of this stuff. It'll never take off. Yeah, it's like you know, nobody needs more than sixty-four k of RAM. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so that whole mindset all over again. Nobody wants a mouse with a tail. <clears throat> Crazy. <laughs> what was it? No, nobody needs a mouse. That's right. Yeah, there wasn't like the one uh, that. He says, okay, move the mouse. He said, no, it's a hamster. He's like, what do you mean? He said, it hasn't got a tail anymore, so it's a hamster. <laughs> okay, move the hamster and double-click on the icon. Oh, uh, yeah, I did hear that, actually. Uh, so, That's yeah. for me. Yeah, that'll do me. It was a relatively slow news week this week. Yeah, thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show. <clears throat> we found that Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and Coffee. Email us, will or warlock at aussietechheads.com.au and go to aussietechradio.com. 24-7 playback of tech-related shows. See you next time. Bye.